Ah, yes. Welcome to a Monday edition of MLB Morning Coffee here from the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco. My name is Greg Mraz. I am your host, as per usual. Thanks for tuning in. We are back to a normal episode today. I'm going to continue with the weekend whip-arounds. Our numbers are not as high on the weekend as they are during the week, so thank you very much for listening during the weekday. But why aren't you listening on the weekend? Make sure that you write a review, leave a rating, and subscribe. I hope that there are some five-star ratings, not the two-star one that we just received. So please, if you like the show, compliment it. If you don't like the show, remember what your mother said. If you don't have anything nice to say about anybody, don't say anything at all. I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. If you don't like the show, review it that way. But preferably, if you like the show, review it like you like the show. In any event, our opening segment today, pretty simple. Just going to go through a couple of headlines. Jose Abreu, four homers and four straight at-bats for the White Sox. He is coming on right now as one of the better players in the American League. He has been one of the best hitters in baseball for quite a long time. Jose Abreu is consistently over 30 homers. He's consistently over 90 RBI. And in a season that's only 60 games, he still has a chance to hit over 20 homers. He dominated the Cubs this weekend. The White Sox hit the most home runs that any team has ever had in a series against the Cubs in franchise history. They hit seven homers against the Cubs this weekend. Let's move on to the San Diego Padres, who are now alone in second place in the NL West. They swept the state of Texas this weekend. They swept the Rangers, and then they just swept the Astros. We'll get to that in the game recap. San Diego was rolling right now, and I think that all the controversy that surrounded them in regards to Tatis swinging 3-0 is pretty much gone. Everybody's behind this team. Everybody loves the way that they play. Everybody loves the swagger that they have. I am personally rooting for San Diego to be the team that represents the National League in the World Series. It has been 22 years since San Diego made it to the World Series. That was 1998, the Tony Gwynn Padres that lost to the New York Yankees. The Padres are fun, and there's no denying that they play with a swagger that really is unparalleled by almost anybody in baseball, save for, say, the Chicago White Sox, who are led by Tim Anderson, who is probably one of the most cocky but swaggy players in all of baseball. I start with the White Sox and the Padres because I love the way that those two teams play. They play like they have fun, and as the White Sox hashtag is, they want to change the game. And you know what? The way the White Sox and the Padres are playing right now, it is very easy to get excited about those two. Now, in regards to the White Sox, for those of you that didn't see it on Twitter, I got owned by Jeff Passan on Twitter. I put out a tweet. I didn't even criticize Jeff Passan, but... I have been owned by ESPN national baseball writer Jeff Passan. So ESPN was doing a segment on the White Sox prior to their Sunday night baseball coverage, and Jeff Passan had tweeted out the video. And he says, and they say ESPN never gives the White Sox any love. Now, the context of that, a lot of times ESPN seems to forget that the White Sox won the 2005 World Series. There was a segment that ESPN did about city championships between Chicago and Cleveland when the Cubs were playing the Indians in the World Series. And it was a graphic that said, championships since 1965. 
It had all six Bulls titles, the one Bears title, and three Blackhawk titles. It did not have the White Sox title. And for Cleveland, it had their one title, which was the Cavaliers title over the Golden State Warriors earlier that year. So in context to that mistake, that's what Jeff Passan did when he tweeted out the video. Now, it had a graphic of the White Sox main lineup. And the graphic looked good in regards to the guys in the lineup and the order that they batted in the lineup and their OPS in the month of August, except for one thing. White Sox second baseman Danny Mendick was spelled M-E-D-W-I-C-K. So somehow, Danny Mendick became Danny Medwick. So I screen grabbed part of the tweet, and I tweeted out, I appreciate Jeff Passan doing a White Sox segment, but come on, ESPN, how does Mendick become Medwick? And Passan actually replied to me, you transpose the N and the D and change the N to a W, comma, obviously. So Jeff Passan actually was having some fun with it. I'm one of the few people he actually responded to, and I just quoted his tweet. I didn't tag him in another tweet. So he actually sends out that graphic again, but he, in Sharpie on his iPhone, crosses out Medwick and writes in Mendick in black Sharpie-style text and then puts off to the side, Sorry, Danny, and then decides that because of that, he changes his name to G-E-O-F-F Passan as penance for the mistake made to Danny Mendick's name. Now, he and Mendick actually had a really good exchange about that on Twitter, but... Again, the tweet from Passan, pretty funny and very snarky in regards to what I said, how do you get from Mendick to Medwick? And I, yeah, I got owned by Jeff Passan. So I can proudly say that that is now a new career highlight. And by the way, I am now the proprietary member of the Danny Medwick fan club. Uh, it says so in my bio. I have ordered my Medwick jersey. It will be here in the coming days. So, yeah, I got owned by Jeff Passan. I actually consider that to be pretty funny. Final topic here in the opening segment. Today is August 24th. We are exactly seven days away from the trade deadline. And in this episode, all of our Monday episodes, at the end of the episode, we're going to do a standings and league leaders segment. So we're going to give you the standings for everybody. But just taking a glance at the standings, what teams are going to sell, and I only say what teams are going to sell because with eight teams making the playoffs in each division, you've got a ton of buyers. So without giving away the teams, this is what you are facing right now in terms of how clumped the playoff picture is. In the AL East, the fourth place team is four and a half games back. In the AL Central, the fourth place team is six and a half games back. In the NL East, the last place team is four games back. In the NL Central, the fourth place team is five and a half games back, as is the third place team. In the NL West, the fourth place team is eight and a half back, or rather eight back, and the last place team is eight and a half games back. So there's still a lot of room for teams to be able to make the playoffs. The question is, who are your sellers? Right now, in my opinion, your key sellers are the San Francisco Giants, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Boston Red Sox, and the LA Angels. Those are the teams that, in my opinion, have no chance. Now, the Giants have won six in a row, but they are playing over their heads. 
they are not nearly as good of a team as how they are playing right now. The Colorado Rockies have lost seven in a row. I believe they are a lot better than what they are playing right now. But again, the Colorado Rockies two weeks ago were top two team in the National League. This is what happens during a condensed season. We are a month in. Most teams have played 30 games. We are exactly halfway through the season in the NL and AL West and most of the AL and NL Central and part of the National League and American League East. We are halfway through the season. Amazing. Opening day was a month ago today. Opening night was a month ago yesterday. I can't believe it. Baseball's been going on for a month, and we're halfway through the year. So in a week's time, you have the trade deadline. I still think there are not going to be a whole lot of deals at the trade deadline, but I think teams that have expiring contracts that are looking to get some value, they're not going to get nearly the same type of value that they would in a normal year, but I do believe that teams are going to get value. I would like to say that we're going to have a trade deadline special next Sunday. You know what? We are going to have a trade deadline special next Sunday. We're going to go through some of the guys that I think are going to get traded, and we'll see where some good landing spots for them are. But again, the question is, in a season like this year, is it worth sacrificing one, possibly two prospects for 30 games of one guy with an opportunity to survive eight different teams in your own league to get to the World Series. Is this a season that it is worth going for it in? I don't necessarily think it is. But if you're a team like the Chicago White Sox, the Chicago Cubs, the Oakland A's, the Minnesota Twins, the Tampa Bay Rays, the New York Yankees, teams that will assuredly be in the playoffs and be at the top of the league, if you have an opportunity to make your team that much better, go for it. But it also is a calculated risk in regards to what you want to give up. If I am the Tampa Bay Rays and I want to get that one other bat to get me over the top, I am not giving up Wander Franco, the top prospect in baseball, to do that. No chance in hell. If I'm the White Sox and I want to get one more starting pitcher to potentially get me over the top, there is no way on God's green earth I'm giving up Andrew Vaughn. That's my point, is that teams are not going to be able to give up their top prospects in order to find value. But let's take a team like the San Francisco Giants. Jeff Samarja, last year of his contract. He has been terrible. They are moving on. They're going into a rebuild. Johnny Cueto has a year left on his contract. He could be seen as very valuable. He wants out of San Francisco because he can't stand Gabe Kapler. So what do the Giants do? The Giants are 14-16. and 16. They're in the same position they were last year. They overachieved going into the trade deadline, and now they're in a position to where they think they might have a chance to be a contender, but in reality, they're probably not. Hey, if the playoffs started today, they would be in. 14 and 16, they'd be the 7 or the 8 seed. We'll go through the standings a little bit later, but again, it's a calculated risk on all sides of the equation. On that note, 
Let's get into the ball games. Maybe the most exciting series of the weekend took place at Wrigley Field between the Chicago White Sox and the Chicago Cubs. Schwarber in the air, deep center. Robert back, he'll watch it go! Cubs lead 2-1. to one. Sometimes you gotta fight fire with fire. That Kyle Schwarber home run makes the difference as the Cubs edge the White Sox 2-1. Cubs salvage the three-game series. They improve to 17-10. White Sox fall to 17-12. Winning pitcher Hugh Darvish, he was awesome. 5-1 record for him now. One run on six hits over seven innings. One walk and ten strikeouts. Dylan Cease takes the loss for the White Sox. He is 4-2. Two. two runs on four hits over six innings. Three walks and five strikeouts. The save goes to Jeremy Jeffress, his third. Inning and a third, one hit, no runs, two walks and one strikeout. White Sox had the tying and go-ahead runs on base in the top of the ninth inning. Yoan Moncada grounded out, though, with two out to end the ball game for the White Sox. White Sox got their lone run in the top of the second inning thanks to a Jose Abreu solo homer, his 11th. With that homer, as we said in the open, Jose Abreu has homered in four straight at-bats. Schwarber's home run, a two-run shot, his fifth, gave the Cubs the 2-1 lead. Five hits in the game for the Cubs. Schwarber goes two for four with two RBI and a run scored. Javi Baez, one for four with a run scored. Jason Kipnis, one for three. Anthony Rizzo goes one for four. For the White Sox, only player with multiple hits, Nomar Mazzara, he goes two for four. Single hits for Yoan Moncada, Jose Abreu, Eloy Jimenez, James McCann, and Danny Mendick, otherwise known now on this show as Danny Medwick. The Los Angeles Dodgers brought out their power bats at home against the Colorado Rockies on Sunday. We'll take you to Dodger Stadium next. Today he's given up just the Seager home run. Now Betts hits a ball in the air to left center field. Hampson going back. He turns and watches it go. Betts breaks the tie with a solo shot. His 10th of the year, and it's 2-1 Dodgers. The Dodgers hit seven home runs against the Rockies. They pound Colorado 11-3 at Dodger Stadium. L.A. is a major league best 22-8. Colorado has fallen to 13-15 Rockies have lost seven in a row. Dodgers have won four in a row. Winning pitcher for L.A. is Victor Gonzalez. He is 1-0. He allows one hit in two scoreless innings, no walks, and two strikeouts. He came on in relief of Ross Stripling, who went four innings, allowed two runs on six hits, two walks, and two strikeouts. Antonio Senzatella takes the loss for Colorado. He is 3-1. He allows six runs on seven hits in five and a third, one walk, one strikeout. He allows four homers. This game was a 2-2 tie going into the bottom of the fourth inning when the Dodgers scored three. L.A. added one in the sixth, two in the seventh, and three in the eighth. Mookie Betts hits two home runs and steals two bases. He becomes the first Dodger in franchise history to hit two homers and steal two bags in the same game. Homers in this ballgame, there were a lot of them. Corey Seager hit his seventh. That came in the first inning. Mookie Betts hit two. He's got 11 in the third against Senzatella and in the eighth against Goudeau. Kike Hernandez hit his third, a three-run shot against Senzatella in the fourth inning. Cody Bellinger hit his eighth, a solo shot in the sixth off of Senzatella. 
Will Smith hit his third in the seventh inning off of Kinley, and Max Muncy hit his seventh in the eighth inning off of Godot. For the Rockies, Trevor Story hit his eighth, and Ryan McMahon hit his sixth. Sam Hilliard also hit his third. For the Dodgers, Mookie Betts three for five with three RBI and three runs scored. Corey Seager two for five with an RBI and a run scored. Max Muncy two for three with an RBI, a walk, and two runs scored. Kike Hernandez one for four with three RBI and a run scored. Will Smith one for three with an RBI, a walk, and two runs scored. For Colorado, Charlie Blackman goes two for four. Ryan McMahon two for four with an RBI and a run scored. Also worth noting that Sam Hilliard goes one for four with an RBI, a run scored. Trevor Story one for four with an RBI and a run scored. We'll take you back east now for the Nationals and the Marlins. Turner inside out, right field line. This will be close, and it's fair. Trey might be catching some people here. Key boom, Robles. It's a merry-go-round, and two runs will score. Run till they tag you. A five-run fifth inning seals the deal for Washington. They score a run in the first, a run in the second, two in the fourth, and five in the fifth. They pound Miami 9-3. Washington 11-14. Marlins are 11-11. Anibal Sanchez gets the win. He is 1-3. He allows one run on five hits in seven innings, no walks and five strikeouts. Humberto Mejia takes the loss for Miami. He is 0-2. Four runs, two earned on seven hits in three and two-thirds innings, two walks and four strikeouts. The only homer in the game came from Miami. Corey Dickerson, his third in the second against Anibal Sanchez. Big games for Washington. Trey Turner, three for three with three RBI and two runs scored. He had a triple in this ball game. Adam Eaton, one for four with two RBI. Howie Kendrick, one for four with an RBI. Luis Garcia goes three for four with three runs scored. Carter Keboom goes 0 for 2, but he has an RBI, a run scored, and he also drew two walks. For Miami, Corey Dickerson goes 2 for 2 with an RBI and a run scored. John Birdie goes 1 for 2 with an RBI and a run scored. Jesus Sanchez goes 1 for 2 with an RBI as well. The big fifth inning for Washington was highlighted by a bases-loaded walk from Carter Keboom. Victor Robles reaching on a fielder's choice and then having two runs score thanks to an error and then a Trey Turner two RBI triple. Our next stop is Baltimore for the Red Sox and the Orioles. In the air to left, Pilar was very shallow. Didn't get a great jump, but it's over his glove. To the wall to score two more. Ruiz is into second with a double. Orioles edge the Red Sox 5-4. Baltimore is back to 500 at 14-14. Boston falls to 9-20. Thomas Eshelman gets the win. He is 2-0 for the O's. Eshelman goes four and a third innings out of the bullpen. No hits allowed, no runs, one walk, and two strikeouts. The loss goes to Zach Godley. He is 0-3. Godley allows three runs on two hits in two and two-thirds innings. Five walks and three strikeouts. The save to Tanner Scott, his first. He goes a third of an inning, allows one run on two hits, no walks and no strikeouts. Worth noting that Wade LeBlanc goes just two-thirds of an inning for Baltimore. Boston went up 1-0 in the top of the first inning thanks to a Kevin Pillar solo homer, his third. Orioles scored three in the bottom of the third inning. 
Two RBI single from Rio Ruiz and an RBI single on a bunt from Andrew Velasquez. Top six, Boston gets to within one thanks to a Xander Bogart's RBI double, but then Rio Ruiz comes up with a two RBI double to make it five to two. Jackie Bradley Jr.'s second homer, a two-run shot, makes it five four top of the ninth inning, but that is all Boston could muster. For the Orioles, two guys with multiple hits. Ryan Mountcastle goes two for three with a run scored. Real Ruiz, the star of the show, two for four with four RBI. For Boston, they had only two players with multiple hits. Kevin Pillar goes two for five with an RBI and two runs scored. Jonathan Ariuz goes two for four. Jackie Bradley Jr., one for four with two RBI and a run scored. Our next stop is Cleveland for the Tigers and the Indians. Jorge Bonifacio. Yeah, he's got to go the middle, big part of the field this season. Oh, boy. Oh, he sends it to deep left center. Anybody going to catch that? That ball is out of here. A two-run blast. First homer, first hit. We're in the old English D for Jorge Bonifacio. And the Tigers have opened up a three-run cushion. Tigers avoid the sweep. They beat the Indians by a 7-4 score. Daniel Norris gets the win. He is 2-1. Norris goes 3-2 out of the bullpen. Two hits, no runs, no walks, and four strikeouts. Norris came on in relief of top pitching prospect Tariq Skubal, who goes 2-3 of one-run baseball, three hits, one walk, and five strikeouts. Carlos Carrasco takes the loss for Cleveland. He is 2-3. He allows four runs on seven hits over three and a third innings, one walk and four strikeouts. Jose Cisnero picks up the save, his second. He goes two-thirds of an inning, no hits. He strikes out one. Indians are 17-11. Tigers are 11-15. Tigers got a run in the top of the first inning on a Miguel Cabrera sacrifice fly. Then bottom one, Cesar Hernandez with a homer, his first of the year. Top of the fourth inning, that's where Detroit took the lead. They get three runs thanks to a two-run homer. Checked out a solo homer from Nico Goodrum, his fifth. And then a Jorge Bonifacio two-run homer to make it 4-1. to one. Grayson Griner hit his first homer in the top of the sixth inning to make it 5-1. And then Miguel Cabrera with an RBI single extending the lead to 6-1. Tigers got it to 7-1 in the top of the eighth inning on a Willie Castro RBI single. Bottom nine, Greg Allen, a three-run homer, his first of the year to make it 7-4. 13 hits for the Tigers in the ball game. Willie Castro goes two for four with an RBI. Miguel Cabrera, one for three with two RBI. Nico Goodrum, two for three with an RBI and a run scored. Jorge Bonifacio goes one for five with two RBI and a run scored. Isaac Paredes goes three for four in the ball game for Detroit. For Cleveland, Jose Ramirez goes two for five. Jordan Luplo, two for three with a run scored. Greg Allen, one for four with three RBI and a run scored. On to Tampa for the Blue Jays and the Rays. So now a strike on Lau. And he shoots it into center field. That's going to drop for a base hit. And here comes Martinez. Rays take the lead on the RBI single by Brandon Lau. It's a 3-2 ball game. Rays edge the Blue Jays 5-4. Tampa improves to 19-10. Toronto and even 500 at 13-13. Josh Fleming with the win. He is 1-0. The Tampa starter goes five innings of two-run baseball, four hits, two walks, and three strikeouts. 
Ryan Barucki takes the loss for Toronto. He is 1-1. One one. Two-thirds of an inning out of the Blue Jay bullpen. One run on two hits. No walks and no strikeouts. John Curtis with the save. His first. He goes the final inning and two-thirds for Tampa. Doesn't allow a hit. Doesn't allow a run. No walks and no strikeouts. Toronto scored the first run of the ball game in the top of the second inning on Teoscar Hernandez's 10th homer of the year. Top four, Blue Jays extend the lead to 2-0 thanks to a Travis Shaw RBI single. Bottom five, Rays take the lead. Jose Martinez with an RBI single. Austin Meadows with a sack fly to tie it. And then Brandon Lau with a single to give Tampa the lead. Bottom seven, Rays extend the lead thanks to an Austin Meadows single and a G-Man Choi sacrifice fly. Top eight, Lourdes Gurriel with a two-run homer, his third to make it 5-4, to four, but Toronto would get no closer. For Tampa, Yandy Diaz goes two for two with two walks. He was the only Ray with multiple hits. Austin Meadows one for three with two RBI and a run scored. Single hits for Joey Wendell, Willie Adamas, Kevin Kiermeyer and Jose Martinez. Martinez had a run scored and an RBI. For Toronto, they had just six hits in the ballgame. The top six in their lineup each had one hit. Kevin Biggio, Randall Gritchick, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Teoscar Hernandez, Travis Shaw, and Lourdes Gurriel, with Gurriel having two RBI, Shaw with one, and Hernandez with one. Next stop, Pittsburgh for the Pirates and the Brewers. Oh, hey, and deep out to center, Polanco admires this one. Wow, he does it. Polanco puts the Bucks in front with a two-run home run in the eighth. That feels so good for Gregory Polanco. A late homer from Gregory Polanco and the Pirates edge the Brewers late 5-4. Pittsburgh sweeps the series. They are now 7-17. Brewers fall to 11-15. The winner, Chris Stratton, the former San Francisco Giant, is 1-0. Stratton goes an inning out of the bullpen. Doesn't allow a hit, doesn't allow a run. No walks and one strikeout. The loser is David Phelps. He is 2-3. Two runs on two hits in an inning, no walks and two strikeouts. The save goes to Richard Rodriguez, his first one inning, no hits, no walks, and two strikeouts. Pittsburgh scored a run in the first and a run in the second, thanks to an Adam Frazier RBI single and a Gerard Dyson RBI single. Top four, Brewers cut it to one, thanks to a Justin Smoke RBI double, They tie it in the top of the fifth inning on an Omar Narvaez RBI single and then take a 4-2 lead top of the sixth on a Justin Smoke two-run homer. Bottom six, Brian Reynolds makes it a one-run game with an RBI single for Pittsburgh before Gregory Polanco in the bottom of the eighth inning hits the two-run homer, his fourth of the season. For Pittsburgh, they had just one guy check it two with multiple hits, Gregory Polanco goes two for three with two RBI and a run scored. Check it, two runs scored. Gerard Dyson goes two for two with a walk and an RBI. Eric Gonzalez, one for four with a run scored. Adam Frazier, one for four with an RBI. Cole Tucker goes one for three with a run scored. For Milwaukee, Justin Smoke, two for four with three RBI and a run scored. Omar Narvaez, two for four with an RBI. Keston Hiura goes one for four with two runs scored. Avaseel Garcia, one for five. 
Luis Urias goes one for three. We now head to Kansas City for the Twins and the Royals. To center field and deep. Starling going back. Cruz with his sixth home run this year against Kansas City pitching. Twins squeak by the Royals 5-4 at Kauffman Stadium. Minnesota is 19-10. Kansas City is 11-17. The winner... Tyler Clippard, he is 1-0. He allows no hits in one scoreless inning, no walks and two strikeouts. The loss goes to Chris Bubich. He is 0-4. Three and third innings of four-run baseball, nine hits, two walks and no strikeouts. Taylor Rogers picks up the save, his sixth. He allows a run on two hits in one inning, no walks and one strikeout. Twins score two runs in the top of the first inning thanks to a Miguel Sano RBI double and an Eddie Rosario RBI single. They extend the lead to 4-0 top of the third thanks to a Marwin Gonzalez 2-RBI double. Bottom third, Royals score two on a Jorge Soler 2-RBI double and then cut the lead to one on a Michael Franco RBI single in the bottom of the seventh. Nelson Cruz hits his 10th homer of the year in the top of the ninth to make it 5-3 Minnesota. Royals get one bottom of the ninth on a Michael Franco RBI single, but that was it. That was not enough for Kansas City. For the Royals, they had nine hits. Minnesota had 13. Eddie Rosario goes three for five with an RBI. Marwin Gonzalez, two for four with two RBI. Nelson Cruz, two for three with an RBI, two walks, and two runs scored. Miguel Sano, three for four with an RBI, a walk, and two runs scored. Kansas City was led by Hunter Dozier, who went 4-for-4 four four with three runs scored. He had four of the nine hits for KC. Michael Franco goes 2-for-4 with two RBI. We now head to St. Louis for the Cardinals and the Reds. And Carlson hits it out to deep right field. It's at the wall. Gone! There it is! First ever home run in the big leagues, Dylan Carlson! And he does it here at Cardinals beat Cincinnati 6-2. St. Louis is over 500 at 9-8. Cincinnati is 11-15. Genesis Cabrera with the win out of the bullpen. He is 2-1. Two scoreless hitless innings, one walk and no strikeouts. Tyler Malley takes the loss for Cincinnati. He is 0-1. Three runs on five hits over three innings, two walks and five strikeouts. Cincinnati scored two runs in the top of the first inning thanks to a Eugenio Suarez two-run homer. Harrison Bader tied the game, bottom of the second inning, on his second homer, a two-run shot. Cardinals take the lead in the bottom of the third inning on a Yadier Molina RBI single, 3-2 St. Louis, and then bottom seven, Yadier Molina with an RBI single, and Dylan Carlson with his first career homer, a two-run shot to make it 6-2. Cardinals had 12 hits in the ball game. Matt Carpenter goes two for four with a run scored. Yadier Molina, four for five with two RBI and a run scored. Dylan Carlson, two for four with two RBI and two runs scored. Harrison Bader, two for three with two RBI and a run scored. For Cincinnati, Eugenio Suarez goes one for four with two RBI. Reds had just three hits in the ball game, so nobody had multiple hits for the Reds. The other hits in the game came from Nick Castellanos, who went one for three, and Shogo Akeyama, who also goes one for two. 
Let's go to the Coliseum in Oakland next for the Angels and the A's. This should do it. Trout's going to go back. He's going to circle underneath it in deep right center field. Barreto tags. Here comes Barreto, and the A's are going to win it. The A's love extra innings. They are now 5-0 in extra frames. They beat Anaheim 5-4 in 10 innings at the Coliseum. A's are the first team in the American League to 20 wins. They are 20-9. Angels are 9-20. Liam Hendricks with the win. He is 2-0. He goes a scoreless inning out of the bullpen. No hits, no walks, and no strikeouts. Ty Buttry takes the loss. He is 1-1. He allows one unearned run on one hit in two-thirds of an inning. No walks and one strikeout for him. Starters in this ball game were shaky. Dylan Bundy, four runs, two earned in five and two-thirds innings. Frankie Montas, four runs on seven hits in four and two-thirds innings for Oakland. Three walks and five strikeouts. A's score two in the bottom of the first inning thanks to a Matt Chapman RBI double and a Mark Canna RBI single. Shohei Otani gives the Angels a lead with his fifth homer, a three-run shot, in the top of the third inning. Angels extend the lead to 4-2 in the top of the fifth on Brian Goodwin's RBI single. A's tie at bottom six on a Stephen Piscotty RBI single and a Sean Murphy RBI single before the game gets to the 10th for the Mark Canna game-winning sack fly. Each team had nine hits, multiple hits for Matt Chapman, who goes two for five with an RBI and a run scored, and Stephen Piscotty, who goes two for four with an RBI and a run scored. Mark Canna goes one for four with two RBI. For Anaheim, Shohei Otani, two for four with three RBI and a run scored. Anthony Rendon, two for five with two runs scored. Tommy LaStella, two for five as well. We head across the bay to San Francisco for the Giants and the Diamondbacks. High fly ball down the right field line. Calhoun looking up. It is out of here. And that is a three-run home run for Alex Dickerson, who picked a perfect spot to hit it. Giants take command of the ball game with a three-run bottom of the seventh inning. They beat Arizona 6-1. to one. Giants have quietly won six in a row. They are 14-16. and 16. Diamondbacks are 13-16. and 16. Caleb Berger gets the win. He is 3-1. He goes two-thirds of an inning out of the bullpen. One hit, no walks, and no strikeouts. No runs allowed for him. He came on in relief of Trevor Cahill, who goes five and a third innings of one-run baseball, one hit, two walks, and eight strikeouts. Luke Weaver takes the loss. He is one and four. He allows two runs on five hits in five and two-thirds innings, one walk, and five strikeouts. Giants get the first run of the ball game in the bottom of the fifth inning on an Evan Longoria RBI double. Top of the sixth inning, David Peralta with a sack fly to tie the game at one. Mike Yastrzemski gives the Giants the lead with his seventh homer of the year, a solo shot, 2-1 Giants, bottom six. Bottom seven, Alex Dickerson with a three-run homer, his third of the year, 5-1 San Francisco, and then Pablo Sandoval with an RBI single, bottom eight, 6-1 Gigantes at the time. Giants with 10 hits in the ball game, a 3-for-3 performance for Brandon Belt with two runs scored. Evan Longoria and Pablo Sandoval 
each go two for four. Joey Bart has hit safely in each of his first four games. He went one for four with a run scored. Alex Dickerson one for four with three RBI and a run scored. By the way, for the Giants, Hunter Pence was DFA'd today, so the end of an era permanently for one of the most beloved Giants of the last decade, Hunter Pence. I'm sure that his career is probably not over, but it's very close to over. Best of wishes to Hunter Pence moving forward. For Arizona, they had just five hits in the ball game. Two of them came from Nick Ahmed, who goes two for four. Up to Seattle for the Rangers and the Mariners. Out to left. This is drifting back, and this is gone. It's another home run. The seventh for Kyle Lewis. You cannot stop number one. Kyle Lewis, a candidate for AL Rookie of the Year with his seventh home run. He gives the Mariners an early lead. They do not relinquish it. They beat Texas 4-1 at T-Mobile Park. Mariners sweep the series against the Rangers. They have won three in a row. They are 11-19. Rangers fall to 10-17. Texas is in a tailspin. They have lost eight in a row. Winning pitcher for Seattle, Justin Dunn. He is 2-1. Dunn goes six innings of one-hit baseball, no runs, one walk, and six strikeouts. Mike Miner, the loss for Texas. He is 0-5. Four runs on five hits in six innings, one walk, and four strikeouts. Taylor Williams, the save for Seattle, his sixth. No runs on one hit in one inning. No walks and one strikeout. It was all homers in this game in regards to offense. Solo shot for Lewis in the bottom of the first. Solo shot for Austin Nola in the bottom of the second. His fourth of the year. Sam Haggerty hits his first career homer. A two-run blast in the bottom of the fifth. Jeff Mathis hits a solo homer for the Rangers in the top of the eighth inning. Mariners had just five hits in the game. Sam Haggerty, one for three with two RBI and a run scored. Kyle Lewis, one for four with an RBI and a run scored. Tim Lopes, one for three. My guy, Braden Bishop, one for three with a run scored. Braden, a friend of the show. Austin Nola, one for three with an RBI and a run scored. For Texas, just three hits in the game. The only RBI coming from Jeff Mathis. San Diego is hot. They were looking to sweep the Astros and win their seventh game in a row as they hosted Houston at Petco Park on Sunday afternoon. Runner goes. Machado swings, sends one out to right field. Reddick going back at the wall. It is gone! A two-run home run for Manny Machado. Padres break the tie and take a 5-3 lead. Manny Machado with his eighth of the year, and it's 5-3 San Diego. Sweep home San Diego. The Padres beat the Astros 5-3. They sweep Houston. San Diego has won seven in a row. They are 18-12 now. Houston is 15-13. Craig Stammen with the win. He is 3-1. Stammen goes an inning and a third out of the Padre bullpen. Enoli Paredes takes the loss. He is 1-1. Paredes goes two-thirds of an inning, two runs on two hits. No walks and one strikeout. Emilio Pagan with his second save. He goes a perfect ninth for San Diego. No hits allowed. Houston scored all three of their runs in the top of the first inning. A Carlos Correa RBI single and a Kyle Tucker two-run homer, his fourth of the year. 
Bottom four, Padres tie it at three. Thanks to an Eric Hosmer RBI double, a Jake Cronenworth RBI single, and a Jerickson Profar RBI ground out. And then that call you just heard, Manny Machado with the tie-breaking two-run homer, his eighth of the year in the bottom of the eighth, to give San Diego the 5-3 lead. For the Padres, two for three goes Fernando Tatis Jr. with two runs scored. Manny Machado, one for four with two RBI and a run scored. Eric Hosmer, two for four with an RBI and a run scored. San Diego also got a one for four performance from Jake Cronenworth. For Houston, Josh Reddick goes two for three. He was the only Astro with multiple hits. They had five in the ball game. Let's finish up on Sunday Night Baseball in Atlanta for the Phillies and the Braves. Curveball lined into the gap in left center field. One run's going to score. A play at the plate on Swanson. Phillies get by the Braves 5-4 at Truist Park in Atlanta. Zach Eflin with the win. He is 1-1. One and one. Five and a third innings of three-run baseball. Six hits, three walks, and six strikeouts. Josh Tomlin, the loss for Atlanta. He is 1-1. One and one. Four runs on six hits in three innings. No walks and five strikeouts. Brandon Workman, the save for Philly. His fifth one run on two hits in an inning of work. One walk and no strikeouts. Phillies are 10 and 14. Braves are 16 and 12. Phillies got their first run on an Alec Bohm solo homer in the top of the second inning. Three runs for them in the third, thanks to a Reese Hoskins two-run homer, his second, and a D.D. Gregorius solo homer, his fourth. Bottom third, Braves scored three, a Freddie Freeman two-RBI double, and a Marcelo Zuna RBI single. Top of the fourth, Phillies get a key insurance run thanks to an Andrew McCutcheon RBI single. Bottom nine, Braves end up getting a run on an RBI double from Freddie Freeman to make it a one-run ball game. However, Atlanta tried to score the tying run, but Dansby Swanson was thrown out at the plate by Roman Quinn and D.D. Gregorius on the relay. So a dramatic end to the ball game. For Philadelphia, Andrew McCutcheon and Reese Hoskins both go two for five. Hoskins with two RBI and a run scored. McCutcheon with one RBI and a run scored. Alec Baum goes three for three with two runs scored, an RBI and a walk. That was the significant offense for Philly. Should also mention that Didi Gregorius went one for four with his solo homer and a walk. For Atlanta, Dansby Swanson three for five with a run scored. Freddie Freeman, two for four with three RBI and a run scored. Marcelo Zuna, one for four with an RBI. And Austin Riley goes two for four. That's it for the recap of yesterday, Sunday, August 23rd, 2020. Let's take a look now at today's ball games. We only have nine games for you, so we'll run through them quickly. Blue Jays at the Rays at 310 Eastern Time. Tanner Roark for Toronto. He is 2-1 with a 4.76 ERA. Blake Snell for Tampa, 2-0 with an ERA of 3. Marlins at the Nationals. Pablo Lopez for Miami, 2-1 with a 2-4-2. Austin Voth for Washington, 0-1 with a 5 ERA. Cubs are at the Tigers at 7-10 Eastern. By the way, the Washington game at 6.05 Eastern. Alec Mills for Chicago, 2-2 two two with a 4.76 ERA. 
Casey Mize makes his second career start for Detroit. No record is 623 ERA. 7-10 Eastern time in Cleveland. Battle of the top two teams in the American League Central. Twins at the Indians. Kenta Maeda for Minnesota, 3-0 with a 2.27 ERA. Aaron Savali for Cleveland, 3-2 with a 2.91. 8.05 Eastern time, 6.05 Mountain time, 5.05 Pacific time, and heck, let's just go 7.05 Central time. A's at the Rangers. Jesus Luzardo for Oakland, 2-0 with a 3.67 ERA. Lance Lynn for Texas, 3-0 with a 1.37 ERA. 7-10 Central time in Milwaukee. Reds at the Brewers. Trevor Bauer for Cincinnati, 3-0 with a .68 ERA. Brent Anderson for Milwaukee, 1-2 with a 3.71 ERA. 7-10 Central time. Royals at the Cardinals. Brad Keller for Kansas City. He has yet to allow a run in three starts. He is 3-0. Going for St. Louis, Jack Flaherty, 1-0 with a 3.12 ERA. Angels at the Astros at 6-10 Pacific, 8-10 Central time. Patrick Sandoval for Anaheim, 0-3 with a 5-4 ERA. Framber Valdez for Houston. He is 2-2 with a 1-7-2. Final game of the night, Rockies at the Diamondbacks, 6-40 Pacific time. Ryan Castellani for Colorado, 0-1 with a 3-7-7. Merrill Kelly for Arizona, 3-2 with a 2-5-9. That is it in regards to today's ball games. Now let's do the standings and some league leaders. So let's start in the very tightly contested American League East. The Tampa Bay Rays lead the division at 19 and 10. Yankees are one back at 16 and 9. Their whole series against the New York Mets was wiped out due to COVID. That is probably going to get made up some point toward the end of the season. Again, they are not going to play the Mets more than one more time, at least I don't think, so that's going to be a very tough makeup. Baltimore is four and a half back at 14 and 14. Toronto four and a half back at 13 and 13. Boston 10 back at 9 and 20. In the AL Central, the Twins lead the division at 19 and 10. A game and a half back are the Cleveland Indians at 17 and 11. Two back are the White Sox at 17 and 12. Detroit is six and a half behind at 11 and 15. Kansas City seven and a half behind at 11 and 17. In the AL West, the Oakland A's lead the division at 20 and nine. Houston is four and a half back at 15 and 13. Texas is nine back at 10 and 17. Seattle nine and a half back at 11 and 19. Angels are 11 back at 9 and 20. So the two wild cards outside of the top six, remember the playoff format is the top two in each division plus the two with the next best records regardless of division. Right now, that would be the Chicago White Sox at 17 and 12 and the Baltimore Orioles at 14 and 14. In the National League, let's start in the East. The Atlanta Braves lead the division at 16 and 12. Two back are the Miami Marlins at 11 and 11. Three back are the New York Mets at 12 and 14. Again, the Marlins still have a lot of games to make up due to COVID. The Mets just had a whole series canceled due to COVID. The Washington Nationals are three and a half back at 11 and 14. The Philadelphia Phillies are four back at 10 and 14. All of those teams minus Atlanta are going to have games to make up 
at some point in September. In the NL Central, the Chicago Cubs are 17-10. They lead St. Louis, who's only 9-8. They have a lot of games to make up. They are 3.5 back. Cincinnati and Milwaukee are both 5.5 back at 11-15. Pittsburgh is 8.5 back at 7-17. In the NL West, the Dodgers lead the division by 4 over the San Diego Padres at 22-8. Padres are 18-12. Eight back are the Giants and the Rockies. Giants have played two more games than Colorado. SF is 14 and 16. Colorado is 13 and 15. Arizona is 13 and 16. They are eight and a half back. If the playoffs started today, and this is very complicated because of the amount of wins, the amount of games, and the winning percentage, you would have to go with the San Francisco Giants at 14 and 16 and then the Colorado Rockies at 13 and 15. Those would be your next two teams after the top two in each division. Now let's roll in some stats, and we're going to do that right off the fly here. No transition needed. That's what we do on this program. Batting average. The batting average is something that is starting to come a little bit down toward the mean. DJ LeMayhew leads at 4-11 for the New York Yankees. Charlie Blackman is second. The Rockies outfielder is hitting 4-05. The rest of the top five include Kyle Lewis of Seattle at 3-68, Donovan Solano of San Francisco at 3-63, Nelson Cruz of Minnesota at 3-43. Total hits is a different story. That goes to Charlie Blackman. He is at 45. Kyle Lewis second at 39. Jose Abreu of the White Sox and Cattell Marte of the Diamondbacks tied for third at 38. Tied for fifth are David Fletcher of the Angels and Fernando Tatis Jr. of the Padres at 37. Home runs is something you're probably very interested in. The leader is Fernando Tatis Jr. He's got 12. Jose Abreu and Mookie Betts of the Dodgers are tied for second with 11. Tied for third, or rather fourth, I guess, a triage of players Nelson Cruz with 10, Teoscar Hernandez of Toronto, Anthony Santander of Baltimore, Mike Trout of the Angels, and Luke Voigt of the Yankees. RBI is an interesting category as well. Fernando Tatis Jr. leads at 29. Second is Jose Abreu at 28. Anthony Santander is third with 27 and tied for fourth, or rather fourth alone, I should say. Nelson Cruz with 26, tied for fifth are Brandon Lau of Tampa Bay and Mike Trout of the Angels. Now let's move to the pitching side of things. ERA, Trevor Bauer obliterating that category. He's got a .68 earned run average. Shane Bieber of Cleveland, he is second at 111. Max Fried of Atlanta, 1.32. Lance Lynn of Texas, 1.37. Hugh Darvish of the Chicago Cubs at 1.70. In regards to wins, five is the magic number. Three are tied at the top. Shane Bieber, Hugh Darvish, and Minnesota's Randy Dobnak. Tied at four are Dylan Cease of the White Sox, Garrett Cole of the Yankees, Zach Davies of the Padres, Max Fried of the Braves, Sonny Gray of the Reds, Dallas Keuchel also of the White Sox. Innings pitched, Shane Bieber leads that category at 40.2. Lance Lynn second at 39.1. Dylan Bundy of the Angels, 38.1. He is third. 
Fourth is Kyle Hendricks of the Cubs at 38.0, and Kyle Freeland of the Rockies rounds out the top five at 37.2 innings pitched. Shane Bieber leads in strikeouts at 65. Second is Sonny Gray at 51. Lucas Giolito of the White Sox and Denilson LeMay of San Diego tied for third at 45. Tied for fifth are Dylan Bundy, Garrett Cole, Hugh Darvish, Max Scherzer of the Nationals at 44. Let's take a look at a couple of key team stats because we have not done this yet. So the league leader in batting average is the New York Mets at 268. The Chicago White Sox are second at 266. The Washington Nationals are third at 262. League leader in home runs, it is, of course, the Los Angeles Dodgers at 59. The Chicago White Sox second at 55 along with the San Diego Padres. Tied for fourth at 45, the New York Yankees and the Toronto Blue Jays. Runs scored is a very key statistic to keep track of. The Los Angeles Dodgers are first at 171. San Diego is second at 163. Tampa Bay is third at 153. And how about this? The San Francisco Giants are fourth at 149. In regards to on-base percentage, I think this is a very important team statistic. The New York Mets are first at 356. The Yankees are second at 344. Phillies are third at 342. Let's look at some team pitching. The best team ERA is the LA Dodgers at 265. There's only one other team in big league baseball, the team ERA under three. That's the Cleveland Indians at 288. Next best is the St. Louis Cardinals at 335. If you want a larger sample size, number four is the Minnesota Twins at 348. And number five is the Oakland A's at 354. Opponents batting average, let's go with the St. Louis Cardinals lowest at 177. Again, only a 17-game sample size. Dodgers only a 205 batting average against. Indians at 212. Reds 213. Twins at 224. And finally, actually, we're going to go two more stats. In regards to strikeouts, Indians are first at 298. Reds are second at 281. Brewers third at 271. Diamondbacks fourth at 268. Rays are fifth at 265. Now, here's a really good indicator. Least amount of walks. With just 60 walks issued, the St. Louis Cardinals are first. Indians are second at 66. Phillies, 72. Rockies, 73. Yankees, 76. I said that we were done, but I'm going to give you one more statistic. Runs allowed. Fewest runs allowed. The Cardinals at 59, but again, way smaller sample size. Indians are second at 84, Dodgers third at 92, Twins are at 100, they're fourth, Marlins are at 105, they are fifth. So that's your stats and standings roundup, and that is it for this edition of MLB Morning Coffee, a production of the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco, California. Have a great rest of your day, and as always, we will catch you in the AM.